What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Issue Issue, episode number seven of Batman News Weekly. And I will have to say right now, I'm going to apologize in advance if the audio quality is a slightly a little different this episode because I am currently not at my home base. I am at a hotel for my friend's wedding here in Tulsa. So I'm actually recording this podcast with Clay uh, from a hotel room. Well, he's at his house. I'm at a hotel room. So if the audio is a little janky or weird, I apologize. It's just I have a different setup coming on right now. i got my traveling podcast set up. So hopefully the audio is not too bad. But uh, yeah, Clay, how's uh, how are things, man? Uh, things are good. You know, I uh, I texted you before we started recording that uh, there was a slight hiccup at work and we almost died. But other than that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently there was a fire scare at my job that was a false alarm. So uh, that's that's I had a good day today. I didn't have any <laughs> of that happening. So uh, that's good. But yeah, I know you guys are here for some some Batman news. And we don't have a lot this week, but we do have things that we can talk about. Uh, something that literally just came out about an hour ago before recording this, right? Mm-hmm. Is a short list for possible actresses that could be playing Catwoman in Matt Reeves' The Batman. And I, you know, I literally text Clay just the poop emoji because I was not a fan of this list. And it's not. I mean, obviously, I want, like, a Latina actress. I want Isa Gonzalez. But I also know Isa Gonzalez isn't the best actress. But the thing is, I don't really see any of these women that they're trying to cast for this role in these five actresses. Yeah. And we're going to go ahead and run down the list right now. And if uh, if you don't know what's currently going on, because I know a lot of people have heard Vanessa Kirby originally was going to be for Catwoman, or she was up for the role. Well, it came out later that Matt Reeves is looking for a person of color to be in the Catwoman role, and he was looking for a Zoe Kravitz type. Well, it does look like he's trying to get a Zoe Kravitz type if these five actresses are up for the role. Because we have Lupita Nyong'o, who everybody knows her from Black Panther, or Us. Yeah. uh, Which is, you know, some of her most recent, uh, you know, I guess blockbuster hits. Then we have uh, Tessa Thompson, who everybody knows from, again, the Marvel Universe, who is Valkyrie in the Thor series, which or it was just Thor Ragnarok. No, she was uh, also in Endgame. Endgame and all that, yeah. Then we have, who I, I apologize in advance for even trying to say this name, but it's Gugu M- Macbeth-Raw. And I know I butchered that, so I'm sorry. But she has been seen in the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. I'm getting this information from Geeks Worldwide, by the way, uh, just in case you're curious where we're getting our sources from. They are the ones that have dropped this. Uh, I haven't seen her in anything, but they do have a note here saying that she was also up for the role of Black Canary. So that's pretty interesting. But we know that went to um, Smollett. I forget her first name. But uh, yeah, she she ended up getting the role, which uh, we're going to be talking about Birds of Prey here in a little bit. And she seems kind of dope in that movie. So I'm excited to talk about that. And then we have Alexandria Ship who is from the X-Men films, who played Storm. And uh, Clay, that is your favorite out of these five, I believe you mentioned? Out of these fives, I would have to choose her. Uh, she's the one that looks the most like a Catwoman like role. Like She could fit into that Catwoman mm-hmm. role. I have not seen her X-Men performances. Um, I kind of gave up on yeah. X-Men no, uh, right. recently. But they everybody says that she, she does... She doesn't have a big role, to be honest. Yeah, she doesn't have like a huge role yeah. in it. The one that you said would be your choice is actually the last one on this list, uh, Logan Browning. Yeah, which is... Yeah, Logan Browning, who is in the Netflix series Dear White People. Now, I haven't seen her perform, and I haven't seen a lot of these actresses perform besides uh, Lupita and Tessa Thompson. 
So the first two I've seen in a few movies. The last three, I, well, I've actually seen a ship in X-Men. So I've seen three of the five. But Logan, I have not seen her in anything. But I feel like if you go do some, you know, Google image searches of her, she does look like she could pull off Catwoman. She's very slender. She has, like, a nice jawline and stuff. And, like, I think her eyebrows are very, like, just watcha. So <laughs> they look like just, like, it looks like she would be, like, look really good in a Catwoman suit. For sure. So um, I would pick her, but I don't know her acting ability. And I don't know, one, I think Tessa Thompson would be terrible for this. And it's not a slight on Tessa Thompson. I just don't well, see her pulling A lot of people want her because uh, a couple weeks ago, or I even think a couple months ago, she dressed up like the old school Batman 66 Catwoman. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. photo blew up. And she almost looked like a mirror image of that actress. I can't remember the actress on top on the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, but even when this dropped, people were commenting that picture on... Uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, because we follow Thomas uh, on his uh, post, people were putting that picture cool, on there. And yeah, I saw that. You know, Logan Browning does fit the uh, age range of this Catwoman character, but like we were saying before we started recording, she does look very childish. She does look very young. And yeah, she looks very young. Yeah, and she's thirty, by the way. Yeah, she. But she just looks like she looks like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like no jokes. Gr- great for her though fucking hell yeah yeah like for sure i wish i could do that but <laughs> yeah so um if she might be the i don't know how how old ship is to be honest because from if i remember correctly when they did the original casting call for this it was catwoman was to be between 20 and 30 she was actually going to be the youngest out of the whole cast but that's usually typically what they do for women though in these high profile roles they well, usually want to go younger where the men are usually older uh, just because I don't know, I don't I don't know why they do that exactly. But Ship is just... twenty eight years old. Okay, so she falls into it too. Because I don't think Le- I think Lupita's older than thirty. Yeah, right? I think Lupita and uh, uh, Tessa Thompson are both a little older than that. So yeah, so it'll be really interesting. Now, um, I we should you know preface it by saying that Geeks Worldwide is not one hundred percent on all of their exclusives. They did have a similar list to this for Batman, and they didn't even have the person that got cast for Batman, who was Robert Pattinson, on their list. But they did have people that read for the role on their list. So you can give them some solid credit, and they've been pretty spot on with stuff in the past. So, uh, you know, I'm. It, it's interesting if these are the people, but personally, I don't think anybody, and one, of course, I'm already, like, just mad that it's automatically going to be a black actress. We've talked about this on the podcast many a times. I'm like... Let's mix it up. We've had a black cat one before. We've had a white cat one before multiple times with both races. Like, give me just something new. Like, give me a Latino. First of all, it again, diversity isn't black. I always say that. Like, it's not just that. Like, Hollywood really needs to step it up and really start getting some more ethnicities in these roles. Um, but it seems like Matt Reeves is just playing with two colors here, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, um, well, I mean, maybe. Well, we haven't cut, got all the roles. And also, uh, Lupita... And let me just say this, because this is me just looking it up. She does, her and Tessa are both 36. And Lupita is mm-hmm. actually Kenyan and a Mexican. What? Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, it says here oh, that she wow. is both Kenyan well, and Mexican. correct me, I am wrong. Yeah. Father's side? Mother's side? Uh, I would have to do some more digging, but that's what it says right here. Okay, well, I am, uh, wow. That's interesting. I'm shocked. 
super shocked. And I know I saw somebody saying that Tessa Thompson was Latin X, but I believe she's like one fourth mm-hmm. or something like that. So, because um, I think like her mom's like half Mexican or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I want a Latino in here, of course, Latino, Latina. And shit, I don't know. I guess uh, you know this is a little little different for me. I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> hey, fuck it. Um, but I'm still like, still, I want to see because everybody's gonna be like, oh, it's a black actress. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's everybody goes off surface. They don't look at ethnicities and backgrounds and stuff like that uh, because a lot of people don't consider Gal Gadot white, but she's like Jewish, so it's like, and she changed her name and stuff like that. She just doesn't look it. But anyways, we're getting on a totally different topic here. But my thing is, is that if they are going to be going for a person of color, a Zoe Kravitz type, I always said Janelle Monet. Like, I don't know why Janelle would not be on this list, personally. Uh, she's the one person I said, if they're going black actress, if they're going, you know, person of color, and it's not going to be a Latina, give me Janelle Monet. Like, a lot of people will know her from Moonlight, a lot of other people will know her from her music, but I think she would do a great role, or a great justice to Catwoman, if they are going for a black actress. And I'm very surprised that she's not on this list. And the other reason why is I would X off three of these girls immediately. I should say women. They're not girls. Um, But I would X off three of them just because they've been in Marvel films. Like, let's stop cross-platforming a lot of these actors. Like, there's so many actors out there. We don't need to keep jumping like, oh, let's get Chris Evans here. and, And that's the conversation we were having at work once I told you, you know, a lot of these fans are always typecasting these actors that have been in even DC movies or Marvel movies they want them in every movie that they want to see and I can understand having a favorite actor just like you have a favorite artist or a favorite you know musician or anything else but there's more people out there that have excellent talent you know I will say Janelle Monet. I know her the very first time I saw her was I believe a Target commercial but huh. what I saw yeah. her in uh what is that movie where it was like the first female uh, uh, women to work at NASA? I forgot which one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, hidden something? Hidden Fences? Uh, hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Th- yeah. Uh, you th- that was the first time I saw her perform as an actress. She was yeah. amazing in that. And I, yeah. of course. Oscar uh, Award. Oh, I, I think it won some Oscars. I think some of those women won the Oscars. Yeah. A supporting role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Moonlight just blew the roof off uh, yeah. during the Oscars at that time, too. Uh, and I just think she would be a really cool addition to the DCEU. And these other these other women, I think uh, three out of the mm-hmm. out of the five, like you said, have all been in Marvel, whether it be with Disney or with Fox at the time. Yeah. So. I think they definitely need to kind of move away from that. But yeah, so like I said, there is there's not a perfect track record with geeks worldwide. Uh, they could definitely still be just some other random actor that pops up and takes this role. So uh, until I see somebody cast officially as Catwoman, I'll say, well, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I'd prefer somebody that's not because Lupita's still gonna be in Black Panther. Like she's not going anywhere. Yeah, like she's like her, you know. Freaking uh, Black Panther's love interest, right? Yeah. In that? Yeah, so she's not going anywhere. She's going to be in two more movies at least. And it's not including... I believe Black Panther's supposed to be like one of like the new Captain America or the new like Tony Stark pretty much, right? Like He's going to be one of the big three yeah. going forward. So yeah, she's not going to be going anywhere. So 
I don't think you would want to cast her in two big franchises. You know what I mean? Um, not that at least, not when your rival, it's in your other rival. You know what I mean? Um, and then, like I said, Tessa Thompson, I feel like just doesn't fit this role. I love her. She's awesome in some other things, but I just don't feel like she fits this role particular. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But that is uh, what just came out right before we started recording this podcast. We want to go ahead and let you guys know about that. Who do you think, because you can leave us audio messages on Anchor, or you can just hit us up on Instagram or just anywhere you can find us. Uh, who do you think should be Catwoman, and how do you feel about these roles out here? But uh, going from that, we're going to go from the short list, and we're going to quickly talk about Joker, just to let you guys know that this podcast is more than likely dropping the day Joker comes out. We haven't seen it yet because I'm at a wedding on a Thursday when it comes out, so we're not able to watch it. I am flying back. I want to say Joker cost me about 115 bucks <laughs> because I accidentally booked my flight wrong, and I wasn't able... I, I, was, I booked a 7 o'clock flight, and we had movie tickets for 3 o'clock, so I had to book a super early flight, and it cost me 150 bucks to correct my mistake. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be the most expensive movie I went to go watch. <laughs> But uh, but we will be giving you those reactions to Joker in next week's podcast, and most likely as well the uh, our guess our first reactions to Batwoman because the pilot will have come out by then. We'll be talking about Batwoman here in a little bit. Actually, let's just knock out Batwoman right now because uh, Clay, you sent me this. You you're gonna have to take the reins on this one because I didn't read the article. But uh, from what it looked like, Batwoman is getting Hush, or Hush has been cast in Batwoman. Yeah, uh, Thomas Elliott is being casted. Uh, not too much news. Uh, if you guys have been keeping up with CW news overall since the announcement of Crisis at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, there was rumors of there being a Hush character in the Batwoman series. A lot of people disliked it just because you can't have Hush without Bruce. And we know from the uh, trailers that Bruce isn't there, that Batman's not there. So it's really odd for him to be into, or, or really odd that Hush would be a part of Batwoman's story. It's just, you know, a retelling. That's what all these shows are. But just this article was just stating that some of those rumors are, of course, true. And Thomas Elliott has been casted into the show. Nice. I would not be surprised if we see him eventually become Hush. Because I feel like... Batwoman is going to be that show that is just replacing Arrow and taking all of Batman's rogues gallery and just putting it into that world, which at least it makes a little bit more sense in this realm because she is Batwoman and in Gotham, that family. Yeah. And in Gotham. So it'll be a little bit more interesting, but uh, next week's show should be really, yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk about that show because I've heard that that first pilot is awful. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that next week. Uh, but going on from Batwoman, we actually got a Birds of Prey trailer this week, which was pretty dope. If you want to check out my reaction for it, I was trying to do a breakdown trailer. If I have a lot of time tomorrow, I might knock one out, but I'm not going to make any promises for that. But uh, I did do a reaction trailer over on my Juice Reacts channel for the Birds of Prey. And uh, I have to say, first time I watched it, I would I didn't know how I felt about it. I feel like... And I think I, I've actually watched it a few more times. I feel like I'm liking it a little bit more. But I will say, I think the audio like of Harley talking over the trailer is what's making me not like it. Because she's kind of trying to like, tell a story and stuff like as she's doing the trailer instead of just being a badass trailer. And I feel like the music with the whatever she's narrating is just it doesn't feel right to me. 
which I think the movie will flow a lot better, but this trailer's just weird. Yeah, and I really want to appreciate Kathy Yan for the artistic style that she chose for this movie. This movie is absolutely beautiful. From the yeah. vibrant colors to the aesthetic of the film with the costumes and everything else. And when I say costumes, I say costumes loosely. I just mean costume design for the film. Uh, I showed uh, Juice along with us in the Discord that we have that she also took a lot from this old movie called uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And it had Marilyn mm-hmm. Monroe. Uh, really cool homages to that film as well. Really, really beautiful. But I can appreciate the, you know, talking over the the trailer or whatever, because I think mm-hmm. that's what this movie's gonna be. I honestly yeah. think that this is gonna be Harley Quinn telling a story. And a part of me wouldn't be surprised if it was like the ending first and then Harley Quinn telling the story. And then we like s- Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, almost. Yeah. And I would be okay with that. That's just Harley Quinn's character, you know, we all have, if anybody's ever read a Harley Quinn comic book, we all know that it's kind of outside of the universe and she can do whatever. And if they Mm kind of did that in the DCEU, I can kind of understand, but I am more interested to see what comes after this trailer. There was a lot of backlash of there not being enough of the birds of prey, you know, that being Canary, Montoya, uh, Huntress, you know, Cassandra and Black Mask, you know, the villain. But we all know this is only a trailer to get people interested in the film. They needed to have a draw, that draw being Harley Quinn. So I'm not too upset about that. No, the the film, I mean, the trailer looks gorgeous. And I will say this, and we talked about this, uh, you know, outside of the podcast, obviously. But DC, I know everybody's going to say Marvel kills them at the box office. DC kills Marvel in marketing. Like, their marketing for Birds of Prey is amazing. They drop, what, like, five posters that are just gorgeous. Yeah, I think like, it was five or just, four. Four or five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something around the, those lines. And they're just gorgeous, like, photo, like, shopped, whatever. Just photo, whatever. I don't know, it just looks awesome. It's designed very well. They're poppy. They look great. It's like something you could throw on your wall, and it would just fit very well. And, uh, yeah, their marketing is fucking key on this. And I think, you know, this is definitely something you're going to see a lot more Harley Quinn costumes come next year or even maybe this year because the trailer's out. People are going to start copying these costumes. I've seen a few cosplayers already do the uh, one with the frilly stuff that looks like, uh, you know, pom-poms. Yeah. I've already seen people dress up like that. But, yeah, I don't know. The movie looks great. It does definitely have a style, and that's the one thing DC is they've been very vocal about that they're going to be they can't be, they know they can't catch up to Marvel they're never going to catch up to Marvel so they're just going to make their own unique movies and you can't say that this movie is not unique whether you like it or not you can't say that this is this does not feel different than a Marvel movie it feels different than any other DC movie out there because it's just so weird it looks violent but it also looks like girly and that's not I'm not knocking it it just looks like there's just a lot more female influences and and it should be because it's a fucking film with all starring nothing but women. So I think it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited about it. Like I said, I, I've watched this trailer multiple times now. I'm starting to like it a lot more in my reaction. Definitely didn't know how I felt about it. Um, just because it, I don't know, I just felt like something wrong was going on with that trailer. Woo, losing my voice there. <laughs> um, but I had to get some water. But anyways, yeah, I think there is uh, definitely 
I think the movie's going to be exciting, and we'll, we'll have to wait to see what comes out after New York Comic Con because they're, it, New York Comic Con says that their booth is the DC booth is going to have Harley Quinn costumes that we haven't seen before. Clay has a theory that one scene in the trailer might be Harley showing them their costumes. I think it's Harley showing them guns. But we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah. But I think that's pretty much it for Birds of Prey. It looks dope. I mean, I'm I'm just interested to see if we've heard a lot of rumors about this. We heard that there was just like some crazy thing that one film that was originally in the film that involved a uh, dick pic, pretty much or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Something that was along a big that line. like yeah. joke or something that's been taken out of this film. Uh, if it didn't hurt the story at all, then I'm totally cool with it. You know, sometimes you got to remove stuff from movies, but unfortunately if it throws something off, that's going to be kind of weird and kind of sucks, but, uh, you know, there's whatever. And then the other thing we heard about this movie is that a possible end credit scene could be leading to Suicide Squad after this movie's over, which is kind of cool because Harley Quinn is going to be in the Suicide Squad. We already know that James Gunn posted the Suicide Squad script today on his Instagram, and uh, that that was kind of cool. And he even took photos with the majority of the cast recently, and Margot Robbie was definitely there. Rumors are that Suicide Squad is also going to heavily involve Harley Quinn. Uh, you can just say she's the star in that one, too. Basically, Harley Quinn is RDJ in the DC. Yeah, like, and the one thing that I didn't know if I wanted to bring up or not, but since we're kind of going in that route of Harley Quinn kind of being the center of the dceu is Mm -hmm. another list popped up and it's a list that we've already seen in the past but has kind of been debunked and not really sure but the gotham city sirens thing has come up again um it was something that i forgot to send to you but it looked like there was going to be a gotham centered dceu and that's what's going to revamp this universe you know batman is going to have his own playground he's going to introduce you know all of the main bat family characters and then uh, Harley is going to introduce majority of the Gotham DCEU because of you know them being bad guys and everything. And somebody even said, like, in a weird way, villains are going to be the heroes of the DCEU mm-hmm. in the sense of that's how we're going to restart this. And yeah. I have no problem with that. Um, if they're good movies, they're good movies. Um, mm-hmm. I just would really love to see more news because they're – uh, Supergirl came up again. Uh, mm. So did Blue Beetle came up again, and so did Booster Gold. Uh, Blue Beetle is the only movie I give a fuck about. Because, I cannot wait for that movie. Yeah, Marvel's not giving me a Latino hero. Uh, Matt Reeves ain't giving me my Latina in the hero costume. So give me Blue Beetle. Ted Cord. I'm cool bringing Ted Cord in there, but being his mentor to Jaime Ramirez, uh, or is it is Ramirez right? I mean Reyes. 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 I always get it wrong. I always always say it. Yeah, Reyes. Uh, Mexican. That's all I care about. That's all I need. So give me my fucking Latino superhero right there because Marvel ain't giving it to me. DC, please save me here. But uh, yeah, so I'm very uh, interested in that. So the cool thing about that, I've always said this. I said, screw it. If you just want to give me a Batman universe, I'm down with it. I mean, it would make this podcast even more interesting. But I will say there was also that rumor before we jump into comic talk that J.J. Abrams is more than likely, this has nothing to do with Batman, but it could, that J.J. Abrams might be helming a Superman movie, but they said they also wanted him to take on like maybe even a bigger project, like something like Justice League. 
So if I did not Abrams, hear that. Oh, I'm... yeah. Well, I heard it was like JL, you know, it was JL Superman or Justice League. And apparently he's interested in Superman, obviously, because he almost made a Superman movie back in the day. But what goes along with that or what could be a possibility is J.J. Abrams is somebody that has built out universes before. Could he be our Kevin Feige and start building out the rest of the DCEU and just letting like Reeves and stuff play in the Batman universe while Reeves, while Abrams builds out the rest of the DCEU with, you know, Jeff Johns behind the scenes and stuff like that. Well, I think Hamada is of course the the one that you would compare uh Feige to. to. Feige. But yeah. uh and to but be, he's not a face. No, you know he, I mean? he like, he's not really a face because he hasn't really been out there to do anything. Yeah. Uh, he has really only done like maybe one or two press releases. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would love Abrams in that re- in that like helm in that seat to say, "Hey, I want to restart this thing and you know help move Superman along, help move you know Green Lanterns possibly along." Yeah. Uh, but I didn't even you know it. You know, when you just said it, it did dawn on me that, yeah, he almost made a Superman movie. It yeah. was, you know, was that? No, no, no. Sorry. I'm thinking of freaking Tim Burton because he was the one that wanted Nicolas Cage as freaking Superman. Yeah. Yikes. No, his was. Uh, uh, yeah. No, his was. Uh, it didn't get that far. Yeah. No. But they built a suit, I think, for Abrams. But yeah, it didn't get anywhere. But I mean, we're talking about a guy that just signed a huge deal with WB. WB, every huge deal they've been signing recently has been those people that have signed those deals have been getting a superhero movie. I feel like that is like guaranteed in the contract. Like, look, we're going to give you $100 million, whatever you want, but you're going to make us a damn superhero movie. Ava DuVernay is doing New Gods. We know Michael B. Jordan is more than likely going to be in a DC movie eventually because, you know, whether that be Black Superman or whatever they're going to do with him. I would be okay, and I, I almost am hesitant to say this, but if he was the young John Stewart everybody's talking about, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be down with that. That'd be awesome. I think he'd be awesome as a Green Lantern. And then, you know, so he'll more than likely be in a DC movie. And then, you know, this new thing, J.J. Abrams possibly doing Superman or something. I think that would be awesome. We're talking about the guy that revived Star Wars. You know what I mean? And Star like, Trek. And he's coming back. Yeah, and Star Trek. And he's coming back for this final one. He's did what? He's uh, he's a Cloverfield guy too, yep. right? He, like, no, no, no. Yeah, like he's... Uh, I think he's Cloverfield Lane, not because Reeves was the original Cloverfield. Well, yeah, but I want to say Abrams was the one with the idea. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you know Reeves and Abrams are really good friends, right? No, like they're like I, I didn't. Like, know. They're like best friends and something like that. That's awesome. So like they have like yeah I've heard. Oh, but uh, but Abrams did Super Eight. I mean. Yeah, well, I mean he's just he's a powerhouse. So like we know that he can build stuff out. You're gonna get lens flares. But, you know, he's going to build stuff out. And, uh, shit, give me Abrams in any superhero movie. I don't care what he wants to do. Like, just give him whatever he I wants. I just know it'll look super beautiful, and I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I'm hoping it's Superman, and I'm hoping it's Cavill. It's like, I want to do this. Yes. You know, bring back Cavill. But we'll have to wait and see, because maybe DC's like, you know what? Let's just, because he could do, like you were mentioning, the Matt Reeves thing, where he just wants to make his own thing. And we'll have to wait and see. Um, but... Moving on from movie talk, we're going to go ahead and talk about... We're going to talk about DC first, because there's a little bit of Batman stuff in there. Because Batman 80, we have some thoughts on it. And uh, you know me, I have been loving Tom King's run. But there's going to be some negative stuff going on. Not necessarily with Tom King, but something about Batman 80. But we're going to do DC's first. 
so the Batman stuff in DCs, we have Batboy pretty much, which <laughs> is if you're not spoilers right now, if you're not reading Deceased, it's one of the best DC comic books you could be reading right now. There's what five issues out? There's gonna yes, be five issues. This is out? the this is Oh, it came out today, right? Yeah, yeah. Issue five came out today. Yeah. Well, as we're recording this, this is dropping Friday, but we're recording this on Wednesday. So issue five came out today. Uh previously Batman died unfortunately first issue well he died in the second issue technically but the damage was done in the first issue uh all of the bat you know the robins are dead besides damien he's the only one that gets out that we know of because i didn't see drake Um, no no it it was it was uh nightwing and tim drake uh okay the only one we've seen hood we have not seen red hood oh okay that's interesting uh so anyways so we've seen a lot of the robins dead you know batman dies and he sends alfred to Damien's location, who Damien's with Superman at this point, and because he's like hanging out with John, right, or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, Alfred shows up and uh, gives Damien a suitcase that Batman always had for him, and it's basically like a mini bat suit. And Damien is the new Batman, so that was something really interesting to happen. Damien has always had his post-apocalyptic stories as Batman. This is another post-apocalyptic story, pretty much. But uh, yeah, Damien Wayne is currently Batman in this DC story. But the big thing I really want to talk about is the OP-ness of freaking Poison Ivy, who has to be one of the strongest people in the DC universe because it happened in Tom King's run and now it's happening in Deceased. Basically, Ivy can control the world and she's gangster. Yeah, it's just stupid, you know, how strong she can get. Um, Of course, you said... She has controlled the world before. That was in Tom King's run. Um, she controlled every superhero at that point. She controlled Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Kid Flash, Wally. It was ridiculous. A little OP. And technically, but not really, killed Batman at that time. And yeah. and it's just it's just ridiculous. And it, and here it shows again how powerful she really is, just because. She basically has her own section that she rules over. And, of course, it is with the green. And I love, like we talked about this, uh, we get these books like five days in advance. Uh, We loved that the psycho chick, Harley, is the moral compass for Poison Ivy in this issue. And it's really awesome. I, I really love that dynamic. Everybody loves the Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn dynamic. Yeah, but it really, really does look cool in this book. Um, we see here that she takes out a killer, uh, a, a zombified killer croc with ease in this issue, yeah. and this is the first time we see the reference to Bat Boy. Harley calls uh, yeah. Damien Bat Boy here. Yeah, overall, really good issue. Uh, there's some other crazy stuff that happens in this issue, but it's not Batman related, so I don't want to, yeah. you know, spoil too much. But in this issue, also. Lex Luthor, he states that before Bruce oh, died, yeah. Bruce was mm-hmm. the smartest person on the planet, which I think was really cool. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That has been a long-going feud. Everybody will say it's Lex. Other people will say it's Bruce. Um, and I think it's kind of went back and forth in DC continuity. It's probably whoever want, prefers one character over the other. But uh, I always thought it was Lex, to be honest. But then again... After what has happened in Justice League with Joker outsmarting Lex so bad, which I absolutely love that issue, 
it makes sense that Batman would be the smartest and then Joker's his equal because they're constantly going after each other. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would bet. I mean, I love anything that says Batman's like the most OP. So I thought that was dope. But it was just a funny way for Lex to even be at me. He's like, oh, Bruce is dead, right? Like, for sure. And he's like, I'm the smartest man on the planet. Like, so um, I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, Deceased, if you guys are not reading that book, highly, highly suggest going to pick it up because it, it'll always end with you being like, what? <laughs> and then you just gotta, you gotta pick up the next issue. But uh, let's go on and move on to Batman 80. Uh, so before we talk about the big thing we both don't like about this issue, what did you think about... Because you have issues with the actual writing or ending of this that I didn't really have issues with. So let's go ahead and get your opinion first, and then I'll talk about mine, and then we'll just talk about the thing we both hate. Yeah, so of course, just like we semi-did with Deceased, this is all spoiler, so if you haven't read Batman, pause this, go read it, and then come back to us if you really want to know. Three, two, one. All right, so this is the spoiler zone. I'm just going to say I didn't like the exposition, you know, just how everything was kind of placed. Um, I feel like... You know, for I guess the really the first big thing was the uh, Kite Man Batman back and forth. Yeah. I know that it was a callback to something that Tom King had always put in this book regarding Kite Man. And so people enjoyed it. Some people didn't. Um, I was one of those people that didn't really enjoy it because I'm just out of all this, the emotions that Batman is feeling, I don't think he would catch Kite Man and be like, hell yeah, you know? Yeah. So, to be honest, I thought he'd let him go. Like, out of all the people, because you know Kite Man's not a threat. So, like, I'm surprised he actually caught him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's an ongoing joke with this also, is that Kite Man, yeah. is he really dangerous or not? And I feel like in some sort of way, Tom King, if he had more time with Batman, mm -hmm. he would make up this methodical thing that Kite Man was behind everything, kind of. like, yeah, And, and not, not like the way Bane is or the theory of that Thomas is, but yeah. just that Kite Man is more dangerous than people realize. Um, yeah. But after that, we see this dynamic between Gotham Girl and Thomas, and I didn't see that. And you said, hey, you know, if you look back at the radio station that uh, Bruce and Selena were listening to, it kind of shows that this is a couple weeks or days or whatever, yeah. uh, possibly months, but I don't think it was months. But... It shows that there was some time that, you know, Thomas had to really connect with Gotham Girl. And so I was able to brush that aside. You know, okay, so maybe they did have a connection. The one thing that I felt was a little out of place was this hush Batman thing. Uh, yeah. It was kind of out of nowhere. And, of course, Tom King posted this and everybody flipped. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, hush is coming back. What does this mean? And for me personally, when I saw this, I was like, okay, this will be like an entire issue. You know, this is something that he's writing that will make sense for his return to Gotham or possibly the ending of the City of Bane. But it's literally two pages. And so I was a yeah. little bit more disappointed than I would, than I was frustrated. So yeah. there's that. And then, of course, the ending, which you, you read into a little bit more than I did. And then we talked yeah. about it later was, you know, this whole thing with Thomas going towards Damien with a gun, putting it up to his chin, and, you know, 
trying to think up his decision. Does he kill Damien or does he not? And I'll yeah. look, go ahead and let you explain what your theory is and why. Yeah, okay. So to give a little bit of context here, the reason why Damien might die. So this is post-Alfred getting his neck broken. If you don't know any of that story, go listen to the first podcast in the Batman News Weekly. That's when we started recording is when Alfred got his neck broken. So what happened was when Alfred died, well, we think he died. We're not really sure at this moment because previous issues have said kind of to the contrary that he's safe. So we don't know what's going on with Alfred. But uh, before that, when Alfred died, they took Damien. The reason he died was because Damien came into the city and there's not supposed to be any Bat family allowed. So now he's the captive. And the rule was if Batman or any other Bat family returned again, that Damien would be the next one to die. So now that Batman has officially come back to the city, Bane has given the order to Thomas Wayne to go kill Damien. And so that's what ends the issue. So now, like Clay was saying, I have read a little bit more context in this because uh, I just so happened to buy the button a few months back, and it actually dealt with Thomas Wayne and Batman, or Bruce Wayne, meeting for the first time in this continuity because they didn't meet in Flashpoint. In Flashpoint, he only got the letter from the Flash, and that's all he ever knew. But now, that was, you know, it, it involved the Flash as well when the button issue was coming out, and he they actually ran through time and met that Thomas Wayne in that Flashpoint universe because it was collapsing. In that issue, you know, Bruce, like, the reverse Flash head came through, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He runs through, and uh, the, the city basically starts collapsing. And the um, cosmic treadmill that they're running on is like, you know, he's like, we got to go now. This thing's going to go without us. And Bruce is like, come on, Dad, you got to go with us. And he was all like, uh, you know, there's just like this heartfelt thing going on. And Bruce says, I need to tell you something before we leave that I would, if you know, I never thought I was going to be able to talk to you. This is what I want to tell you. You're a grandfather. And the panel is just like, you just see the back of Thomas Wayne. And then he turns around and he pushes Bruce onto the cosmic treadmill and basically tells the Flash to get him out of here. And basically committing suicide and getting Bruce out of that dimension. And before they take off in the cosmic treadmill, he tells Bruce, don't be Batman anymore. Like, give it up. Like, basically, the bat is dead. Bury it. But not because... He, he just basically wants Bruce to be a father to Damien because he doesn't... He wants him to have the life that Bruce couldn't. So he doesn't want Damien to grow up to be the Batman like, you know, Bruce did. He wants him just to be a father and a son and have the life that Thomas and Bruce didn't get to have. So that goes into this whole theory of why Thomas might not kill Damien. We don't know what's going to happen yet. I would bet money that Damien's not going to die. But that would make it plausible to see why he has these heartfelt feelings for Damien or why he'll question not killing Damien. Because the whole reason behind or the theory behind this that thomas is working with bane so bruce will not be batman like he's trying to break into the point where he'll never put the suit on again and i think this is if if he kills damien then he's just doing this for no reason anymore because he wanted him to be a father and you can't do that without a son yeah and i was actually going to ask you just now uh now that we've had batman with selena and they've both been focused on coming back to gotham they've had time to think they've had time to plan do you think that batman knows this that batman is betting on that conversation all the way back in the button to say hey i trust that thomas my dad 
will not kill him, and this is what's going to help us beat Bane. Yeah, and it and it, I'm also under the assumption too that Bruce knows the conversation that Damien and Thomas had when Damien confronted Thomas. So I'm under the impression that he more than likely knows, like, oh, you know, Damien got caught, he got beat, and, you know, he probably heard the conversation. Like, it's plausible, you know, maybe they were on comms or something. And so he knows that Thomas didn't fight him right away, that he was like, let's talk about this or whatever. And then Damien was the one like, no, I'm here to beat your ass. And so, you know, Bruce could easily know that because we don't, again, we don't know where Alfred's at. Is Alfred got, like, some surveillance going on in Gotham? Was he able to relay, like, oh, yeah, Thomas didn't fight Damien right away. He hesitated, and that's what Batman's banking on. You know, those these are a lot of questions that hopefully will get answered in the future. Um, I, again, like, most likely, there's very rare times that I'm not a fan of Tom King's writing. I did think the Hell Yeah thing was also kind of weird, but I knew it was a callback with the Kite Man stuff. Uh, I didn't really like the dialogue between Hush, to be honest, that whole little thing, mm-hmm. because it was like... Batman, I, I always hate when Batman tempts people or he's all like, we could do this any way you want. Like, he's always just like more like calculated. And this one seemed like he was kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll do, uh, I don't know. He just seemed kind of just, it just, the dialogue didn't fit with me. It just seemed kind of weird. Um, but for everything else, like the way the issue ended, I'm totally fine with that because it has me interested in what's going to happen next. Now, we're going to go into theories about what we think is going to happen because there's only five issues left. We have some theories, but we're going to talk about what we hate the most about this issue, and it is the art by John Romita Jr. And I'm just going to say my part first because, you know, I mentioned this online that we're, if you don't know who John Romita Jr. is, and I think everybody does, if you've ever read Kiss a- uh, Kiss Ass, Kick Ass's comic, <laughs> comic book, he drew that. That's John Romita Jr. So think of Kick-Ass's drawings. That's John Romita Jr. It's Dark Knight Strikes Back is Romita Jr.? Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So he's basically, he works with Frank Miller a lot. And so if you've seen a lot of Frank Miller's art, that's basically the same style. But John Romita Jr. is, I made this definition. Okay, so this was my analogy that I pointed out. The reason why I hated this is because the last two issues, 78 and 79, were some of the most beautiful comics I have ever seen in my life. And that comes from Clayman. And it's just, they were gorgeous. They, the panels are literally something I would blow up and put on my wall because they were so gorgeous. And, you know, you get perfection, and then we got a fucking potato this week <coughs> in Batman. And I was just like, what the hell? Because all, there's no definition in these bodies. They're all squared. And like, everybody has whiskers. Very bulky. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just looks the same. And it's just, it's not attractive, in my opinion. And nowadays, I feel like art has evolved so much. Like, this was awesome back in the 80s and stuff. But it's just not great anymore. Like, art is so, and I'm pretty sure that there are some hardcore Romita Jr. fans out there. And I know people are probably listening to this podcast like, oh, F you, bro, John Romita Jr. is a legend. And he is. I'm not going to take that away from him. But that doesn't mean that his art didn't hurt this comic. And he's doing the next issue, too, which is annoying because it's supposed to be when Batman confronts Bane. You would want that to be some of the most badass art you can get. But we're getting Romita Jr. for a second issue. And I just, I, I genuinely texted Clay like, after I read this, I was like, well, 
Uh, somebody's art can definitely ruin a whole story for me, and John Romita Jr. did that. And uh, yeah, Clay, let me know. Let me know your thoughts on this. You know, I I feel you. You know, me with John Romita Jr.'s art, it almost makes me queasy, uh, just because. And you know, my co-host on my other show makes fun of me for liking pretty art, but I would take any pretty art, quote unquote, rather than this. I will say, yeah, you know, and like you said, Ramita's art is for a, a whole different time period. That's just yeah. the way him and his dad draw. And I just don't like that he still use he still uses like this very like spaced, scratchy, like mm-hmm. style for like shading and things like that. And it just doesn't look great to me. Like I said, everybody has some sort of whisker or hair on their face, regardless yeah, if it's a male or female. And it just looks really, really awkward. I like every like you said, it has that kick ass look. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can think of when I look at this character. You know, there was a Batman type character in Kick Ass, and that's all I see. I don't see Batman, unfortunately. Yeah. And so Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna jump in real quick because I made the analogy that, or I don't even know if that's the proper word, but I said that when you see John Romita Jr.'s art, you see it. You don't see the character of Batman. You see the character of Batman drawn by John Romita Jr. Yeah, like you don't get and, you don't get it, drawn into the story like most art helps you do. Yeah, and all you can see is John Romita Jr. and not Batman. Exactly, yeah. and that that's how I feel because he doesn't look badass. And I, I mentioned this again with Clay Man, and I know everybody's like, you're just sucking off Clay Man. Okay, cool. He's a great a fucking artist. But the thing is, he made fucking Bruce Wayne look so intimidating in a vacation dad outfit. I can like, I can tell you this. He, Clay Man made water more interesting than these than this entire book. <laughs> I will say that. I will Damn. I will go ahead and say that. Because there's Jesus. there's two pages on from the past two issues, one from each, where both uh, Catwoman and Batman are both on water, and yeah. that water looks better than all of these pages. Fifty percent of that goes to Murray, though. Yes, yes. Uh, Ma- is it, is it Murray, right? Yeah. His last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is a, just a god of coloring. Like it's insane. Like I would. I wonder if his mom still has some of his coloring books, and like I wonder if they're like how great they are. <laughs> Like, I bet you he has, like, he stayed in all the lines and made it just pretty. But, yeah, so our biggest gripe with this book, and probably what's going to be our biggest gripe with the next book, is going to be the art. Because, like, and I think sometimes the art will actually make you not think some of the the stuff is cringy. Because Ramita Jr. doesn't have very good facial expressions. Like, his character art does not show emotion. And whereas the last, like... Like, 90% of the artists on Tom King's run for these almost 100 issues have been stellar. Like, great. And this one just, I don't know, it just feels so out of place. Like, even if you were to just buy all the covers and you got the Ramita Jr. covers, they are out of place with all of the other art that has been in this run. And uh, it's just, it's so weird to have him on the final seven books of this run, like, I mean, the final six books of this run, 
And it's just like, it blows my mind. I'm very shocked by this. I don't know if it's because Tom King had no choice or if because he loves Ramita Jr. because he's a big fan of Frank Miller, if he was like, I just want him on my run. Because, you know what? I don't know. It's, it, I don't know. I, I just don't know yeah, what to say And, and I, I told you this when we first saw this book was, you know, Ramita is one of those artists that will randomly jump in for one issue or one or two issues in the same story. It happened with Nightwing. Uh, I believe it's happened with, I believe, Green Lantern Corps or Green Lanterns on Rebirth. I can't remember which one. But honestly, Ramita should be for an annual. And I know that sucks to say because annuals aren't really picked up. But that would just be his time to shine because usually annuals aren't necessarily continuity because it can be like a one-shot story and he can do whatever he wants in those. This is just a very like this is basically the pin ultimate episode of a show before you get the big fight and it, his art unfortunately ruins that aesthetic for what we were supposed to be feeling for this book. Now on multiple yeah. reads you can kind of ignore the art, but that's what a comic book is. It's art and so you have to look at these things and it like I said, it throws it off. Yeah, so that was our biggest gripes about it. Um, so I think I, I think I actually like the story a little bit more than Clay did, but I think we genuinely both disliked the art and agreed that it was a uh, just a big issue with the, the like a big flaw in this comic book. So uh, I want to end talking about our theories about how this series is going to end since we have five issues left. But I did, I pulled up issue 79 while we were talking because I wanted to get confirmation on if this happened over months. And look at this, this is on the, uh, when Selena and Bruce are drinking and uh, it's talking about the newscast. This thing right here says, the city known for seamlessly endless crime waves has by all reports quieted over these past months. Wow. So he's been out of Gotham for months. So then you, I would assume you would have to count into when they were in the desert. He, that took how many ever days there. Then him traveling to whatever winter wonderland where he got knocked out by two jabronis. And then Selena finding him and then taking him to this island. Well, they, so, they, she took him to Paris first and then this island. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's a good amount of time. So your questioning of like Gotham Girl and Batman, you know, having this kind of relationship, she's been Gotham Girl for months yeah. in the Robin role. So that's very a lot. That's a lot more believable. And I feel like a lot of people that criticize like writers and stuff, like, oh, that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. They miss little things like this. Yeah. Like, cause one word changes our whole theory about stuff. Yeah. Like we could literally, oh, this is happening all in a week. Like, no, that one word right there tells you this has been going on for months. I so, never uh, yes. want to be as depressed as Batman was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to to nuts. to the point where I'm like, eh, I don't want to take care of my city for months, you know. Yeah. Although although I will take that depression if somebody like Selena's getting me out of it. <laughs> so, I will definitely take that depression if a beautiful girl like Selena's going to come save me. Um but okay, so let's talk about 
I'm going to let you talk about your theory first on how you think this series is going to end because I think it more involves Thomas Wayne. I don't know where your head is at because I know we've talked about this before. You know, we uh, we did talk about this before and, you know, we've talked about this, of course, you know, at work. And I feel like that's all we talk about is just comics (laughs) constantly. But, you know, I am not really under the impression that that, uh, Thomas is the mastermind of everything. I think he is a tool that Bane wants to use that I do think Thomas is smarter than Bane and was saying, hey, I'm going to go along with this so that way Bruce can stop being Batman. But just like Bruce has a line, Thomas has a line, but that line isn't with killing. That line is Bruce. Mm -hmm. And so he knows, you know, how far he can push Bruce, how much he can pull Bruce how much Bane can do the same thing to Bruce. And, you know, he will ultimately help Bruce or stop Bruce when he absolutely wants to. Uh, I think that this confrontation at the very end of next issue or, you know, all of next issue, we haven't seen it yet. I think this will be hopefully the end of Bane and that the next, how many issues Five? Yeah, well, if if I I, I want to say, knowing Tom King's writing, we're going to see Bane get confronted on the final page. Yeah. They're going to fight it out in 82, and then, then we'll have beat in 82. So we'll have... Then you have 83, 84, 85. Okay, so we have three more issues. Yeah, Th- which I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if we actually do just have like it ending with him confronting Bane at the end, because that means we don't have to get... John Romita Jr. fight scenes. Oh, that would be amazing. They'll be, they'll be done by Mikel. I'm I'm okay with that. On, uh, yeah, but I think that the last few issues will actually be the cleaning up of Bane, the uh, tidying up whatever needs to be tied up with Thomas. I think, I, and it would suck to have Junior on this art, but I think next issue we might actually get some hint of how Thomas got into our time. Ooh, I, okay, so my theory is um, that I do think Bane, and and the thing that sucks is if you are somebody, if you're listening to this podcast and you get all your comic news from us, like, that's awesome because you're not really, nothing's getting spoiled for you except for what we tell you, but if you're somebody that looks ahead, you can kind of tell where the story's going with this because Bane's, like, there's covers of Bane getting his ass kicked. Yeah. And I think that's, like, 83. Mm-hmm. And then the last issue, the I think 84 has come out already, and it's Bruce and Thomas fighting. So there's, you know, definitely some plausible theories there. Covers don't always tell the stories, though. Covers don't, I mean, Bendis would tell you that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, uh, they don't always tell the truth. But... It, my theory is that Thomas Wayne is actually going to be the villain of this story. And Bane is, it's kind of like a, um, what is, uh, it's not a red herring, but like it's, Bane is basically just to, to throw you off, is my theory. I think that would be a and, red herring, actually. Is that what it is? Yeah. So yeah, so maybe that's the right uh, phrase or whatever. But my thing is, is after reading the button again, and just rereading a lot of Tom King's stuff, his art, or Bruce's biggest shadow or biggest problem, has always been his father. And I think if this story ends where his dad 
is the villain. His dad has been the villain. Somebody you think that he should love, and he's always been like, just like, I miss you, dad, blah, blah, blah. Him turning out to be Bruce's biggest problem would be hella interesting because it's like this symbolism of Bruce Wayne finally getting out of the shadow of his father. Because we know, we're assuming, which, and I think it's very plausible, that he got his ass kicked in that pit because he never went back to Gotham. You know, he got beat up by thugs after that. He was broken. So we're assuming that, you know, Flashpoint Batman, Thomas Wayne, kicked Bruce's ass in this pit and he was broken. So Batman has not beat Thomas Wayne yet. He has not beat his father. And you can look back on 80 years of just Batman. Bruce Wayne has never got out of Thomas Wayne's shadow. Everybody always says, your father, your father, your family. You got to live up to Gotham. Gotham loves you because of your family. Like, it's just constantly been... Bruce has never been able to be Bruce. Yeah, for sure. He's always been the son of Thomas and Martha Wayne. And so if this turned into this huge symbolism of Bruce beating his dad, finally getting out of that shadow finally learning to love like his own you know his own like wife hopefully eventually i think that would be fucking awesome but is it going to go there i don't know but i i honestly think that thomas wayne has been somebody that has manipulated bane because batman's beat bane plenty of times bat bane's also beat batman but we've never seen batman beat thomas wayne aka flashpoint batman and i think that's a pretty awesome story and maybe that's where King's going. I don't really know. But I'm interested to see where it's going to go because I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I think the last, you were talking about like the last few issues probably clean it up. I think 85 cleans up everything. But I think the final fight between Thomas and Bruce I, happens on 84. I hope that it doesn't all clean up in one issue. I honestly yeah. don't. I think. What if it's like a 80 page? Thing. If if they if they actually make it a giant size, and when I say mm-hmm. giant size, I don't mean the traditional one hundred page giant size. If they make a forty to fifty page, you know, sequence for this last thing to kind of tie up everything, and he does mm-hmm. it good because unfortunately there are readers out there that just don't like the pacing of Tom King's writing. So if you yeah. put that all in one issue, people are going to be looking at that page count constantly and constantly. Yeah. So he has to do it perfectly. But I think he needs a little bit more time to, in my theory, if he does go the route that I think, you know, clear things, clear some things up with Thomas, with with Bruce, and not necessarily fighting, but to like talk it out and, you know, figure out how they're going to come up with a solution of Thomas wanting him to stop being Batman and then Batman still wanting to be Batman, and, you know, all that, you know. Of course, we still have a lot of questions of how Bane pretty much became the mastermind of this whole thing, how Thomas came into our time, you know, how they're going to clean up Gotham, and, of course, what happened to Alfred, whether that be if he stays dead or if it was some ruse and something happened. That all needs to be cleaned up in several issues, so that way it doesn't feel like it's all rushed in one issue. Well, I think you can, you have to like, and I've seen some comics do this well, and I've seen others do it terribly, but it's kind of like, like those reveals in shows where it's like, oh, we went back and this is how it happened. Like, you know, like they step you back, step through step. And if they could do that very well, I think you can knock it out in one issue. But it would have to be pretty perfect to knock it out in one issue. Um, I will say, like, 
when it comes to, I guess, theories of how stuff happens, well, I think Bane, when we kind of know how he took control of everything, he has Psycho Pirate. Like, that's the biggest thing, how he controls everything. Now, how Thomas Wayne came back has to be with Skeets. So, and if it's not with Skeets, then I'm like, what? Like, what's even Well, yeah, and, you know, Skeets is always seen as a hero, you know, the partner to Booster Gold. So why would Skeets work with a villain? That's another question, you know? You know, why would Skeets, you know, willingly do whatever Bane or Thomas asked? So, yeah. Uh, my my bringing I'm gonna I'm gonna say this on the podcast, but my headphone is about to die. Okay. So like that, I'm gonna lose connection here soon. Um, but yeah, so I guess what I'll, the biggest thing, the one answer is like, how does it happen? And is Thomas Wayne? Thomas Wayne has to die or get sent back, because he's technically breaking the timeline right now. Yeah. Like eventually, this is so in theory of DC stuff should be ruining the timeline because he should not be there. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to see if those are going to get fixed up. There's going to be a lot of questions, uh, but we're going to have to wait another two weeks to see if we get any answers with some really crappy art. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, I I hate taking shots at Ramita Jr. Again, he is an icon, but I just don't think he fits with this style of art, especially when we've just been, we've had bangers for the last like 10 issues of just amazing art. Um, So we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah, then we're going to have to end it there just because I have technical difficulties. We won't have this issue next week. I'll be back home, back on our well, – I mean, this should come out on Friday. So not, yeah. our schedule isn't going to ruin. It's just the different – I'm in a traveling podcast situation. Um, is there anything that we need to do? Housekeeping-wise, uh, anything we didn't talk about? No, I think we're good. Yeah. If you want to check out Clay's other podcast, of course, you have the Fanboy Clay podcast. Have you done a new one? Uh, not yet. I'm going to actually be posting some old episodes onto there. Oh, okay. um, it's going to be on anchor of course uh that it's a lot of batman stuff so. <laughs> it's uh, the uh the show is called fanboy comics podcast of course i'm also the host of uh, comic book legion podcast with mark uh if you're interested in reviewing comics go ahead and let me know i'm on twitter at fanboy clay but yeah that's where you can find me Yep, and then of course our stuff. I which I gotta get all your info so I can put it in the description. So you need to like email me or send me your stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I can just copy and paste it into it. But you'll find all my information where you can find me on. I don't use Twitter, um, but I'm on there. But I'm not gonna be able to respond because I'm not on there. But uh, Instagram, bad from the box, juice from the box. Check me out there. Check out the Juice Reacts channel. Constantly uploading videos all the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, bad from the box, obviously. But that's gonna be it for this show, ladies and gentlemen. He is Clay, fanboy Clay. I'm your host, Juice Wayne. Remember when you wake up in the morning, ask yourself something. Let me daily dose of juice. See you guys next time.